Credit Card, brought to you by Bank of Ireland in partnership with Aer Lingus. Whether you're buying your weekly basics or splurging on a special gift, with Air Credit Card, you'll collect Avios and unlock even more rewards. The only credit card in Ireland that gives you travel rewards as you spend. Sign up now by searching Bank of Ireland Air Credit Card and go from tap to takeoff. Bank of Ireland, begin. Over 18s only, acceptance criteria, lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Subject to a monthly fee of €7.99 and annual government stamp duty of €30. Euro. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. The Hard Shoulder on Newstalk with Nissan Subscribe and Drive. No deposit, no compromise, no fuss. Find out more at nissan.ie. Thank you very much. Eamon, time now again on the hard shoulder for In Our Defence. Gavin Dowd is with me to talk about a legal case uh, from Irish history this week. Uh, a case that on the face of it might seem like a curiosity, but often the ramifications uh, are still felt today. What are we talking about this week, Gavin? Karen, you told me a few weeks ago you, you go to bed every night manifesting your, your lottery win. Is that right? Well, it's yeah, it was advice from a colleague of mine here in News Talk who said when you do the lotto, never check the numbers that night. Instead, okay. go to bed. It's like Schrodinger's ticket. You, it's, <laughs> it, it, you do not know you're not a winner until you check it. Okay, okay, okay. That, that uh, cat could be alive in your pocket until you actually <laughs> check the numbers and you just go to sleep imagining you're a millionaire. Well, the problem with today's case, unfortunately, is this guy also didn't check his ticket, but he didn't check it until it was too late. Okay. This is the case of uh, Mr. Stephen Carroll. It's the mid-1990s in Dublin. It's a Saturday afternoon. And uh, back in the day, I don't know if Quick Pick was available, but certainly it was more common that people would go in and pick particular numbers. So you go into the shop, as he did. He went into the post office in Capel Street, got a payslip, which is the, the sheet that you fill out in your numbers. He got four, in fact, and he'd... Just had some good luck. He just won two pounds on a scratch card. So he's going to reinvest those winnings and buy a few more lottery tickets. That is, I think, a rule. Anything less than a tenner, you've got to immediately reinvest in in, more tickets. Cash in, yeah. And and, and keep the cycle going, hopefully. Uh, So that was his his philosophy as well. And how it used to work was you'd fill in your payslips, you'd give them to the shop assistant and they'd scan each payslip to enter them into the computer system to register them as actual tickets. And then in return, you would get handed a ticket, which was different to the payslip you handed in. Now, here's the problem. He handed in his four payslips, but only three of them were scanned. The shop assistant accidentally scanned one of them twice. And of course, the payslip that was not scanned... Oh, don't. Of course... Oh, no. It pains me to say it, and I'm sure he never forgave himself, was the ticket with the winning numbers. Now, as it happened... (laughs) There was another winner of the jackpot that day. So it was a £506,000 Irish pounds jackpot at the time. But he was looking for 250000 uh, his share of it. And he assumed this is just a little clerical error. We can get this fixed. So we went back to the shop and they said, that we don't want anything to do with this. Go to Abbey Street, to the National Lottery headquarters. Mm. And they said, sorry, your fault, not ours. No, that was the reaction. This has nothing to do with us. You you should have sorted this problem. You out. should have read your ticket basically, and you should have checked if it didn't match up before the draw. You should have gone to the shop and said, "Hey, we have a problem here." But this was after the draw had taken place when he knew he had the winning numbers, but he okay. didn't have the right ticket, the, the corresponding the, the, ticket. The reason we're talking about it is because a legal challenge ensued. Indeed, look, I mean, I back this guy massively. He is uh, he's just gotten had the luckiest day of his yeah. life and then found out the most unlucky thing, the worst thing that could possibly happen to you in this situation had happened to him. So we have to look at the small print. Now, 
the small print is the bane of everyone else's life, the T's and C's, but lawyers make their livelihoods out of small print, Kieran, as you know. So the National Lottery rules said that the National Lottery is not liable for any acts or omissions of a lottery agent. Now, okay. a lottery agent is the person who's in the shop who sells the tickets. Right. They're not employees of the lotto. They're just the people who are allowed to sell tickets and scratch cards on their behalf. Right. And uh, it is the sole responsibility of the player to check that the plays recorded on the ticket correspond with those on the payslip. So he should have seen did they match up, basically. Okay. I mean... In terms of the legal challenge, though, did, did he take it against the lottery or the shop itself? I mean, was there a question as to... Yeah, well, he took it against the lottery the because I guess the the old colloquial phrase is, you know, sue where the money is, basically. Yes. Uh, you want to follow the, the, the gold, uh, to the pot of gold as such. So he sued the National Lottery. And his first argument was... Uh, the shop assistant was negligent. There's no doubt about that. He didn't take due care and didn't make sure that the right tickets were scanned. But would the National Lottery be liable uh, for that negligence? There's this idea of vicarious liability. What's that? This is where a person can be liable for the wrongdoing of somebody else. So it typically occurs where there's an employer or an employee. So let's say, I don't know, I you were a courier. You were working for a courier company and I'm cycling my bike. And when you're delivering a parcel, you hit me and knock me off my bike. I might be able to sue the courier company, not you, because you're acting in the course of your employment and they had some kind of control over you when you were delivering the parcel. Yes. So this is what he was saying here. It's almost like the National Lottery is this person's employer. But the court said, no, not really. This person isn't paid a salary. This person undergoes a little bit of training, but they have a lot of discretion in how they how they sell the lotto tickets. They're not really the lotto's employee. Okay, so so that the, the, on, on the first issue of vicarious liability, the court says, no. no the, so, the, the, the National Lottery itself, that group body, that is, uh, organization, is not vicariously liable for what this individual in this shop in Capel Street does. Exactly, exactly. Okay. So his second argument, you're kind of sticking your hand in the bag, you're trying to make more legal arguments because mm-hmm. clearly he feels very annoyed, is that there is an implied term in the contract when he bought his lottery ticket that the lottery agent, the shop assistant, mm-hmm. should take due care to make sure that the right tickets are scanned. Now, the problem, this sounds like a fair argument, but the problem is the rules and regulations, as I said earlier, make it very clear that the National Lottery is not liable for any act or omission of the shop assistant. So you can't imply a term where there is already a term that would completely contradict what you're trying to imply. So that argument is going to work. And then the lotto brought up the idea of the small print. Mm-hmm. So the at the back of the ticket, there were some of these rules. Now, Mr. Carroll said, I never read the rules. I didn't even know the rules were there. But the judge said, well, you must have known the rules were there. You've played the lottery before. And in any event, there's big writing on the front of the payslip to say, look at the back of the, the lotto ticket for the yes. rules. Um, so that kind of stuck him in a corner. Uh, but then there was a question as to whether this term was particularly unfair. Because if you have a very unfair term in the small print, yes, you have to draw someone's attention to it. Because if you think about it in any contract, if, if someone was mean-spirited enough to put something in you know, font 5 at the end of 200 pages and it was something that exempted them from a massive amount of liability, it would only be fair yeah. that they tell you this the, exists. The cartoon example of, of the magnifying glass being brought out uh, to, to show exactly. the tiny writing, that, that wouldn't actually stand up in a court of law. You can't put whatever you want in the terms and conditions and say, well, they're written there. It, exactly. it has to be reasonable. It does have to be reasonable. And if it isn't reasonable, you have to at least draw someone's attention to it so that they know this is yes. here and I can accept it or reject it. But they said, no, this isn't 
a pretty, you know, expected term in the contract. This isn't something that's completely unreasonable or unfair. So the the lottery didn't have any duty to draw his his attention to it particularly. So he's out of arguments and the judge also makes the point, and this is a very valid point on behalf of the lottery, that they're afraid of fraud here because what's to stop Kieran someone making the same claim that Mr. Carroll did, although Mr. Carroll was telling the truth, what's to stop someone the day after the lottery numbers come out going into a shop, filling out a payslip, and then going to the National Lottery headquarters and saying, look, I got the winning numbers, uh, but my ticket was never scanned properly, and and, and lying yeah. and making a mockery of the system. So this is the reason they have rules like this in place. Poor old Mr. Carroll, though. My heart I, goes out I, to I him. feel so sorry. Imagine the joy felt in that household that night when his winning ticket yes. was read out. And I'm sure they, they decided what they were spending the money on. Oh, and, oh, what a tease. What a tease. What an absolute tease. What is the upshot of the case? The, the upshot of the case, I guess, for everyone is, you know, always read the small print <laughs> and check your ticket if you're playing the lotto. Nah. So small, I, I, too I'm much not sure about your, your colleague's advice. <laughs> yeah, agree. Just click, just take agree and get on with your life. <laughs> life is too short for the small print. Um, our legal question of the week. Is it against the law, Gavin, to post an untrue statement about someone on the internet? It's a question that, having studied this area of law, I think people ask me a lot. There is a constitutional right to a good name. On the other hand, there's a constitutional right to freedom of speech and freedom of expression. So it's not that it's against the law or illegal, but if someone says something defamatory about your character, you might have a right under the Defamation Act to sue them. So something defamatory is something that injures your reputation in the eyes of reasonable people in society. And um, the onus is on you the person who has said the thing to show that what you've said is not defamatory and typically by saying either it was my honest opinion or it's true. Mm. Um, so for something to be defamatory, generally it has to be untrue. So if I, if I went online and said, you know, uh, Gavin Dowd doesn't like strawberries, if that is untrue, there, there is no law to stop me going online to say you don't like strawberries. If I say you don't like people of a certain race, that is defamatory. That is untrue, but I'm I'm certain, suddenly in legal hot water. Completely, completely. If I said, I, I, I know you mentioned Liverpool Football Club, I don't know what team oh, is. Arsenal, Arsenal. Arsenal. Let's say I said, Kieran loves Liverpool. He's been a, a, a closeted Liverpool supporter all these years. That's not defamatory. That might be untrue, but unfortunately, you can't. You can't. All right. Okay. So there's the uh, there's the answer for you for people at home wondering if you can say something untrue online. You can say things that are untrue online. (laughs) We're not encouraging it, but we don't actively encourage. It's more one of these things that are frowned upon than strictly (laughs) against the rules. And what are we talking about next week? Uh, A great underdog story, Kieran, for next week. Uh, You might wonder why Adidas and O'Neill's both have three stripes down the side of their tracksuit pants or their, mm. their shorts or their, their jerseys. Well, there's a court case behind that in the 1980s and you'll find out why next week. All right, we look forward to it. Gavin Dowd, thanks a million for that. Stay with us on The Hard Shoulder today. We'll have all your business news. That's coming up after this very quick break. The Hard Shoulder on Newstalk with Nissan Subscribe and Drive. No deposit, no compromise, no fuss. Find out more at nissan.ie. Air Credit Card, brought to you by Bank of Ireland in partnership with Aer Lingus. Whether you're buying your weekly basics or splurging on a special gift, with Air Credit Card, you'll collect Avios and unlock even more rewards. The only credit card in Ireland that gives you travel rewards as you spend. Sign up now by searching Bank of Ireland Air Credit Card and go from tap to takeoff. 
Bank of Ireland. Begin. Over 18s only. Acceptance criteria, lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Subject to a monthly fee of €7.99 and annual government stamp duty of €30. Euro. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.